0: In 1938, the Argentine author Jorge Luis Borges, while walking, bumped into a window and had a severe head injury that almost killed him. When he woke up in hospital, his doctor told him that he had almost died. Prior to this incident, he was a writer of short stories, poems and literary articles. And that's about it. He was really well known outside a small circle of literary people in Argentina. While sitting in hospital bed, he reflected, he knew he needed to do something about his writing career that wasn't going anywhere at the time. There, he started writing short stories that were different as a last resort to make something of his writing and his life. This near-death experience had a wake-up call, he needed to write short stories that were original and unique. He eventually published these short stories in a collection today called Ficciones or Fictions, and the rest is history. Thanks to these short stories, he became one of the most important literary figures, not only in Latin America, but around the world. Jorge Borges was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina in 1899. If his near-death experience after his head injury wasn't enough of a misfortune for him, aged 55 he went blind. So he lived for about 30 years of his life blind until his death in 1986. He wrote in Spanish but he was fluent in English as his father was half-English. Borges also read in German, partly because he loved Arthur Schopenhauer whom I've discussed here before. He also read in French and Italian. He remained agnostic throughout his life but he had a deep respect for all cultures and religious traditions. Today I'll tell you about some of those stories that he wrote after his head injury to fully understand and appreciate one of the most important geniuses of the 20th century. I've divided the video into two sections, Borges the scientist and Borges the artist. So the first five stories deal with scientific concepts, and the last five stories with artistic concepts. Let's begin. Space. The Library of Babel published in 1941. It's a story of a librarian who is giving a tour of a very unusual library. It is a hexagonal building that goes infinitely in any direction. To show the true size of it, he says if he is thrown down after his death, he would decompose on the way down, so his tomb will be in the air. However, to counterbalance this infinite endlessness of this library, the shelves on each wall, books, pages, lines and words all have fixed numbers. Many have tried to understand and organize the books in the library, but it's futile because for every rational thing you find, there are millions of irrational nonsense. People believe the library has always existed and is complete, containing all the books ever written. But the search for the origin of library has caused a lot of misery among librarians. Some have ended their lives, and some have destroyed books in frustration, and some worship some books and many conflicts that ensued between librarians. Despite the library being infinite, if you travel far enough in any direction, shelves, books are repeated, therefore suggesting that the library is cyclical and periodic. Borges himself was a librarian, so in this short story he has tried to simplify the universe into a simple library. Reading this felt like when you close your eyes, you are no longer bound by the physical space around you. It feels like you are floating in the air. Our body decomposes as the earth spins around the sun, in a few billion years it will eventually be destroyed either by falling into the dying sun or escaping the sun's gravity and hurtling in space forever. So the library of Babel is Borges' metaphor for the universe or space. But our next story deals with time. The Garden of Foking Paths published in 1941. Quote, time forks perpetually into countless futures and one of them, I am your enemy. It tells the story of a Chinese man named Yu Tsun who is spying for the Germans. While on a spying mission, he tells the story of his grandfather Sui Pen who tried to write a novel but never managed to finish it. While on the run, Yu Sun picks a random name from a phone book and goes to his house. As it happens there, he meets a scholar of Chinese studies who has solved his grandfather's novelistic puzzle by creating a labyrinth. His attempt to write a novel was to complete a labyrinth. Quote, In all fiction, each time a man meets diverse alternatives, he chooses one and eliminates the others. But in the novel of Suipen, his characters choose several futures at the same time. This goes against the Newtonian physics that time is uniform and absolute. You can't be in two places at the same time, according to Newtonian physics. But in Suipen's novel, you can be in many places at the same time. Could then I reflected that all things happen to oneself, happen precisely, precisely now. Century follows century, yet events occur only in the present. Countless men in the air, on land and sea, yet everything that truly happens, happens to me. Today we all know of the parallel universe theory, which says that many universes exist in parallels to one another. We all know that in quantum mechanics, some particles can be in two places at the same time. So the Garden of fork in Paths is about time, or an infinite series of times that keeps growing into a series of webs and parallels. But how do we know about space and time? Here Borges tackles the question of knowledge with our next story. The Aleph was published in 1945. The narrator meets a poet who doesn't want his house demolished before he can complete his poem. He says in his basement he keeps the Aleph. So the narrator enters the basement first thinking the poet is trying to kill him. But soon he sees the Aleph. The Aleph is a point in space, perhaps 2 to 3 centimeters in diameter, but it contains the entire universe within it without reducing its actual size. So the Aleph is a kind of monstrous point that has all the places in the universe, all the sights from all angles. When you look at it, you can see the whole universe in its entirety. Could, if all the places of the world are within the Aleph, then all the stars, all lamps, all sources of light are in it too. The narrator sees everything and then when leaving the house, he tells the poet that he saw nothing. Later he hears that the Aleph has been seen in Egypt in the shape of a pillar, that when you are putting your ears against it, you hear the noise of the entire universe. So Borges' story kind of poses this question, what if everything in the universe is nothing but only inside our head. Speaking of inside our head, our next story deals with how memory works, the only way we can see it when it dysfunctions. Funes' the Memorias, published in 1942. Funes, after falling from a horse, develops a kind of superpower. He remembers everything he sees, hears or experiences. In a way, it mirrors Borges' own experience after a serious head injury which gave him the superpower write stories that were amazingly original. Funes's memory only works with details. He is unable to formulate or generalize theory of things. Instead, he is perpetually bogged down in details and small things. Human memory has two functions. On the one hand, it remembers individual details of things, but on the other hand, it also categorizes them for speed and simplicity. For example, when you see a horse, you notice its details. The second time or third time you see a horse, you already have a category for them. So you don't need to remember detailed knowledge of each individual horse. But Funes only remembers the details and unable to categorize things into generality. So our ability to generalize allows us to forget individual details about the world. Generalization or categorization is our shortcut that speeds up our memory of things. We don't need to remember every detail inside a box, but just the box is sufficient. Today there is a debate among scientists whether human consciousness is a computer or something else. Roger Penrose, a Nobel Prize winning physicist, argues consciousness is partly computational and partly quantum because the human brain creates its own laws of universe through quantum effect. In other words, consciousness is far more complex or mysterious than a simple computational device. So Furniss's memory perhaps has a disconnect between the computational and the quantum side. Or you could say an extreme example of autism that fails to connect things and partially lost in details. To understand consciousness, we employ consciousness. In other words, we use the same tool to understand the tool itself, which is a paradox. So our next story tackles paradox of the human rationality, the very tool we use to understand things. Death and the Compass, published in 1942. This is a detective story about Eric Longrod, a famous detective who is faced with 3 murders. But there is a geographical and temporal precision with these murders. They all happen on the third of each month. And the location of those murders make a perfect equilateral triangle. Detective Lonrod is famous for over-rationalizing things, thus concludes that these murders must follow an old Jewish Kabbalah pattern. A little side note, the name Lonnrot might come from Elias Lonnrot, the Finnish author who wrote the Kalevala, the national epic of Finland which I have reviewed here. In Borges' story, Lonrod uses his logic that the location of the next murder has to make a rhombus. However, when he shows up at that very spot, he realises that it was a trap set up to capture him. Instead of finding the killer, he traps himself and becomes a victim of his own thinking. The killer, Sherlock, reveals that the first murder was accidental it was Long own overthinking the case that brought him right into the hands of a man who wants to avenge the death of his brother. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Who died while in Longroth's custody? Longroth tells the that the next time they should use Zeno's paradox, space each murder at exactly halfway point of the previous murder. In Jewish Kabbalah philosophy, there is also something called paradoxical coincidences. I think Borges was killing two birds with one short story. Rationality helps solve problems, but when used too much, we become victims ourselves. Rational science has given us medicine that cures terrible illnesses, but also nuclear and biological weapons. So Borges shows the paradox of thinking, when overdone, it can harm you. In other words, consciousness is an amazing tool for knowing the world, but it also acts as a disease inside the head of an anxious person. Now I'll discuss five stories to show the artistic side of Borges. Reader, Pierre Menard, author of Don Quixote, published in 1939. Quote, I sometimes think that good readers are poets as singular, as awesome as great authors themselves. Pierre Menard is a French writer who decides to write a portion of Don Quixote for the very first time. No, it's not a joke. He's very serious about his project. His aim was not to copy Cervantes' original novel but write word for word the exact copy of it in a way that is identical to the original but not a copy of the original. It makes no sense, but that's the attempt anyway. To be able to authentically reproduce the same words and story, he acclimatizes himself. He learns Spanish and becomes a Catholic and engages in all activities like fighting the Moors as Cervantes did. Quote, his drafts were endless, he stubbornly corrected and he ripped up thousands of handwritten pages. Finally, he manages to write it even better than Cervantes. Good. the Cervantes text and Menard text are verbally identical, but the second is almost infinitely richer. Menard's version is also more subtle, like two translations of the same text. What was the point of it? So basically by rewriting the novel, Menard shifts the spotlight on the reader, not the author. It's the reader that completes the work of art. Author alone is not enough. Without readers, novels have no meaning. How readers react if they think it was written by a Frenchman, not Cervantes. Two identical texts appear different simply with the knowledge of who, where and when the text was produced. So the context is as important as the text itself. The reader gives the text its artistic value. The reader is a creative artist here. For Borges, reading is a creative art. In many ways, reading a novel is re-dreaming the author's story. So in our next story, Borges tackles the topic of dream versus reality. The Circular Ruins published in 1941. This story is about a man who goes to a ruins to create a man by dreaming him. Quote, he wanted to dream a man, he wanted to dream him completely in painstaking detail and imposed him upon reality. He spends days on it and finally manages to dream the person bit by bit, organ by organ and feature by feature. He finally succeeds in dreaming a son. Once his job is done, he begins to worry. What if his son finds out that he is nothing but a dream of someone else? The only way he can find out that he is a dream is if he walks into a fire, because fire only burns what's real. Dreams cannot be burned. He remembered that of all creatures on the earth, fire was the only one who knew that his son was a phantasm. Since his creation is just a dream, he will not burn, so he will discover that he is a dream, not a real person. Terrified that his secret will be out, he decides to escape his terrible ordeal. He decides to burn himself. Once he's burned, he doesn't have to face his son anymore. But here's a terrible twist in the story. As he walks into the fire, he doesn't burn. What does it mean? It means he's a dream himself. He's someone else's dream. Jorge asks the question whether we are nothing but dream of someone else. In simulation theory, scientists believe that everything on earth is mere simulation created by others, just like in computer games. Arthur Schopenhauer, the German philosopher, argued that dream and reality are part of the same book. Living is orderly while dreams are random. Schopenhauer says, quote, The universe is a dream, dreamed by a single dreamer where all the dream characters dream too. Even dreamers are dreams themselves. The way Borges brain works is beautiful. Speaking of beauty, our next story deals with that very concept. The Zahir was published in 1949. A man upon buying a dream gets a coin. A coin that by looking at it creates an obsession and drives you mad as a result reality fades. The zahir can be different object in person at different times. Could others dream that I am mad while I dream of the zahir? He decides to get rid of it by paying it for a drink, but he cannot forget it and his obsession grows more intense. In order to seize the obsession, one must give in to the obsession and soon it loses value and meaning. Quote, in order to lose themselves in God, Sufis repeat their own name or the 99 names of God until the names mean nothing anymore. I long to travel that path. Here's another quote. Time. Time. Which softens recollections only makes the memory of the Zahir all the sharper. In other words, we cherish things we no longer possess. Our next story deals with possession The Book of San was published in 1975. Could? He told me this book was called "The Book of Sand" because neither San nor this book has a beginning or an end. A man purchases a book from a bookseller who claims that it has come from Bombay in India. The book has no beginning nor end, written in a foreign language. Every time you open a page, you land on a new page. Quote, the number of pages in this book is literally infinite. No page is the first page, no page is the last. I don't know why they are numbered in this arbitrary way. Perhaps it is to give one to understand that the terms of an infinite series can be numbered in any way whatever. So you can never see the same page twice. The owner is so disconcerted by this book that he tells nobody about it. He's so obsessed that he doesn't leave his house anymore. He doesn't sleep at night in an attempt to understand the book. Then, terrified of possessing such a book that contains all knowledge, he decides to burn the book, but then realizes that it would burn forever. Finally, he decides that the best place to hide a leaf is in a forest. So he hides the book in the National Library of Buenos Aires, and decides to never visit it. There is a saying that no two moments, two experiences are the same. I guess Borges wants to draw our attention that each one of us live a life and each moment of it is a different page in a book. And when we die, we basically return to the library called Nature. In our next story, Borges tackles the connection between words and what they represent. Parable of the Palace, published in 1956, a poet is given a tour of a palace by a Chinese emperor. The palace is infinitely vast and beautiful. Once the poet understands its vastness, he composes a poem of one line or one word. We don't know what the poem is. In that short poem, he captures the entire palace. Every little detail, small and large, its past and present. In that one word or line, it has everything the palace has. And then suddenly, puff, the palace disappears. Why? Two identical things cannot exist at the same time. The world cannot contain two things that are identical. No sooner, they say, had the poet uttered his poem, than the palace disappeared, as though in a puff of smoke wiped from the face of the earth by the final syllable. The emperor witnessing the disappearance of his palace orders the poet to be executed for stealing his magnificent palace and turning it into a poem. Here, Bohé tries to ask what words language can represent. If I say palace, everyone has an image popped into their head that has physical shape and dimension. Does the word palace contain everything in a palace can contain? That is the question. Final words. As you can see, reading Borges feels like you enter a dream world full of wonders and mysteries and possibilities. Borges doesn't give you an answer, but he opens your eyes to new ways of seeing things. He gives you a new pair of eyes to look at the world. And Borges' writing, Paradox is one of the main themes of his writing. For example, what is the relation between original and its copycat, as we saw in the Don Quixote and Pierre Menard's version? Between finite and infinite as we saw in the library of Babel, between dream and reality as in the circle of ruins, between words and meanings as in the parable of the palace, between fiction and non-fiction, between mirror and the object shown in the mirror. Borgesian conundrum is in fact this very question. Does the author write the story, or the story writes the author? Prior to his head injury, he was a mediocre writer, unknown to the world. But his stories that came after made him an internationally known author and one of the most original in the 20th century. So it's a conundrum. Did he write the stories or did the stories write him? Borges believed that to tackle life, reason and logic are not enough. Everyone needs some magical thinking or even madness to see things with broader perspectives. He says, quote, I'm not sure that I exist actually. I'm all the writers that I have read, all the people that I have met, all the women that I have loved, all the cities that I have visited. Thank you for watching.